You're listening to the Strong Towns Podcast. Welcome to the Week Ahead podcast with Chuck and Rachel. Chuck, how are you doing this morning? I'm actually, I'm doing well. I'm actually really sore. <laughs> yes, this weekend was, um, you know, we've been doing this move, right? And it seems like we've been doing it forever because we, we kind of have. Um, but I wound up moving like the big things this weekend. So uh, freezers. You didn't get like a moving truck? I am a moving truck. Okay. No, I, I I did I did not get like a moving truck and like moving people. Mm-hmm. No, the the that would be that would be the kind of thing that my wife would say. Why are we paying someone to do this when you're perfectly capable of doing it? <laughs> I hope you had some help at least. Um, for actually uh, a, a tiny my my I mean my kids held some doors, but no, I did like all this heavy lifting this weekend and. I woke wow. up today and I'm like, oh, the old body does not feel like it did when I was, you know, 22. Um, so yeah, doing, doing well, happy to be happy to have muscles that work. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, I was going to brag about my awesome relaxing weekend that did not involve any heavy lifting. Oh, I- Basically it was just beautiful in Milwaukee and we like to take full advantage of the non- zero degree snowy weather. So there was like a festival, like German festival. There was a street festival near my house on like our big commercial street. There was a 24 hour bike race going on. So we just kind of like biked between all of these different events and checked them out. It was really fun. They they actually in town in Brainerd had a downtown festival thing too this weekend. And I participated in it zero, um, except for being able to hear the music, you know, eight blocks away, which was really cool. Uh, you know, I, we're, we're like frantically trying to get uh, the other house ready to, to go on the market. And mm-hmm. it's one of those things where every time you do something like, Hey, we're, we're getting closer. And then you're like, Oh no, that was like, I just realized like three more things I need to do. Uh. Um, yeah. For example, I'll give you, I'll give you like the, the one that I'm just, I'm banging my head against the wall. And so we, um, we, in, in the basement of our house, we got it sheetrocked and we're getting, we're getting two rooms in the basement finished and then the whole house will be finished and it will, it, realtor says good, you know, it'll change the square footage and da da da, whatever. Mm-hmm. Wasn't that big of a deal. So we got the, we got the, this one room sheetrocked and I, I, it's got two closets in it and I measured up the closet doors and then the guys came and sheetrocked and, and I had to special order these doors. We got them in, we finished them, got them all ready to go. Guess what? I, I, I did not factor in at all the, uh, the trim on them. Oh. And I bought doors that were too big, oh. like, like an inch and a half too big. No. Yeah. And the thing is, is that the size I wanted was off the, off the rack. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And I custom ordered these ones and paid like a premium. And, you know, I can't take them back because I took them out and finished them up and everything. Oh, that stinks. So Wait, not only just, do like, I not have... Can you cut an inch have, off of them or something? Can you yeah, do I don't know. No, you can't. Oh. I mean, 
Not only do I not have finished doors like ready to go on, which I had planned, not only did I like throw away a bunch of money buying these custom doors, but um, you know, now I'm going to have to go out and get new doors. And you know, uh, it's it's just it's yeah. those kind of things Shouldn't. where like you know, I I th- I think I know what I'm doing, but I really don't. And it's kind of like, uh, you know, why, why? So let's talk about your uh, post from this morning, tractor trailer trade off. This was something yeah. that you, well, that we talked about you writing during Big Box Stores Week. And then things got busy, but I'm glad we're like continuing the Big Box conversation. Yeah. And I also noticed that Johnny has written some follow-up stuff related to big box stores. So I think we'll run some of that later. Oh, great. Keep it going. So tell me about this piece. It's always, when I do the, the curbside chat or especially the transportation in the next American city presentation, I, I have this, this slide or this part where I, I go through and I lay out the engineering professions value set. I say, you know, when engineers design a street, they'll say, what is the design speed? Then what is the volume of traffic? And given the speed and the volume, what does the manual say is a safe way to approach it? And then what's the cost? Those are, those are the, the values that engineers bring to a project in that order. So if you ask them, they'll say safety is the most important value, but only when you don't you know, compromise speed and volume. Those are the two kind of design parameters we start with. Mm-hmm. And of course, I ask people, which one is your most important? What one would be your most important value? And they always say safety. safety. Yeah. And then they'll say cost and, you know, then they'll say volume and, and last would be speed. So they invert the engineer's value set. Yep. The, the thing that's insidious about that is that engineers don't think of things that way, right? Like they don't sit down and say, my value is to achieve the top speed. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just implied. It's just implicit in their approach. So when we look at street design, and we got into this a little bit during Big Box Week because of some of the comments that people left, um, you know, and, and we've gotten into this before when we talk about narrowing up lanes and, and slowing down traffic. People will say, well, don't forget about tractor trailers. We have to make sure that semis can get through. Otherwise, you know, our economy will grind to a halt and, and we, you know, we, we won't be business friendly and all this. Mm-hmm. And implicit in that is an assumption that we have to deliver things by tractor trailer, right? Like all deliveries, uh, you know, all streets must accommodate a semi tractor trailer because that is what is needed to make our economy run. And I point out in the article, you know, that is assumption that it, it evolves slowly over time from a very different reality. Mm-hmm. It has had huge impacts on the, the types of businesses that survive and thrive in that environment. I mean, it really, what it does is it it shifts the playing field from people who have very long distribution chains and you know multiple franchise type locations and 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 puts a big burden on people who just have small deliveries right mm-hmm. and it it also um you know is is just really really expensive for people I, I use Venice as like the extreme example because obviously there's no semi-tractors in Venice because there are no cars, period. Yeah. And I say, you know, the people in Venice do not starve. In fact, they eat like princes, right? I mean, the best food I've ever had in my life was in Venice. Mm-hmm. 
the people in Venice do not lack clothing and, and toilet paper and toothpaste. You know, they're, they're able to get those. How do they get them? And they get them by having many small deliveries instead of one large one. Mm-hmm. This occurred to me like years ago. Um, I saw a, uh, a, a, a semi pull into a McDonald's. You know, the, the big tractor trailer with, you know, all the McDonald's logos and everything on the side. And it was the, it was the McDonald's tractor trailer. And I, I pulled in and I watched. And I sat there and I, I watched what they did. And essentially they, uh, you know, opened up the back and they brought out like half a pallet worth of stuff and drove that in and then took off. And I realized that, you know, that was a volume of stuff that could have been delivered in a small truck. Mm-hmm. But they would never do it that way because this McDonald's truck was coming from a factory somewhere where they processed all this stuff and put it all into, you know, the, the serving sizes and what have you to be cooked at McDonald's. This truck was going to then go to the next McDonald's and the next McDonald's and the next McDonald's. And so it really wasn't about getting the volume of food to that particular McDonald's. It was about uh, the distribution network. And it, once you realize that, that really should change the way we look at tractor trailers. If you're a city and you have to design your thoroughfare to handle tractor trailers because you've got, you know, loggers or miners or whatever coming through town, I, I, I'm, I would talk to you about, uh, you know, bypass routes. I mean, in the, in the olden days, let's just say that, um, you used to pull up to, uh, this is very true in the small town sense, used to pull up to a small town and there would be a truck route around town because they didn't want to destroy their own downtown with these, you know, what would needed to accommodate big trucks. And so there'd be this windy, slow, you know, truck route that would get you past the, uh, the core downtown. Uh, you know, we, not only could we do that, but there really is, you know, zero reason, zero excuse for turning every local street into a, a semi-tractor trailer route. It, it's just, it's unwarranted. It destroys your tax base. It costs an immense amount and it shifts your market in a way that really is not healthy. Yeah. Just not worth it. I've kind of watched the progression of, I, I live on a really narrow street. Um, that's just a small residential street connected to a bunch of bigger residential streets. But, um, we get deliveries pretty much daily since there's tons of people living on my block because it's all apartments. We get, you know, there's a FedEx truck that comes by every day. There's the UPS truck that comes by every day. And those are both pretty big. But now we have the new Amazon little van things. I don't know. Do you have those in your town too? No, we're not. We're not that, we're not that cool yet. Okay. Well, they're, I mean, they're basically like those white, you know, like utility vans that people drive around to like paint houses and stuff. They're not hard. They're not nearly as big as even like the FedEx truck, which is already pretty small. So like, I'm just watching this progression of like the delivery amounts getting smaller and more specific. Uh, I don't know what Amazon's like strategy is behind that, but they've obviously thought it through because they're all of a sudden all these little white trucks are everywhere. Or they might just be new entries to the market. You know, you, 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 uh, when I've been in like New York City, 
I've, I've kept an eye out and occasionally, like very occasionally you'll see a, a, a semi-tractor trailer, but it's, mm-hmm. it's rare because it, anybody just knows you're, you're not going to be able to get around very well in a tractor trailer. Plus if you park it, you're going to have a bunch of people yelling at you, get out of the way, man. Stuff like that. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So what, what you see is that a lot of these deliveries are handled in smaller vehicles. This is in the, you know, the biggest city in the United States. You come to a city my size, you know, 13,000, and we insist on having these wide streets because otherwise, you know, deliveries will not be efficient and, you know, the businesses will not be competitive and you'll have to make multiple trips and, you know, that will, that will make everything bad. Yet the vast majority of deliveries, I mean, I, I would, if I had to venture a guess, I, I, would, I would guess 90% plus of deliveries are, you know, sizes that could be done in a small vehicle, right? Mm-hmm. It is, it's the rare instance where you show up, you know, fully loaded uh, with, you know, lumber from front to back on a huge truck. I, when yeah, we built our house, <laughs> yeah, when, when we built our house, you know, we, we ordered lumber and they would show up in these small, you know, they'd show up with like, you know, 20 boards and then they'd come back later with something else. And it was, it was like what was convenient for them. Um, it, it, I, I, I just want people to start thinking, uh, and challenging that base assumption, especially strong towns advocates. I mean, come on, they, a lot of these comments were by, you know, people who are generally sympathetic to our message. Let's start challenging these core assumptions mm-hmm. that everything's got to be designed for a tractor trailer because it does not, it absolutely does not. Strong towns is all about challenging those core assumptions. Exactly. So this week you're going to be in Mason City, Iowa. Are you driving there or flying? <laughs> I'm driving. Yeah. Okay. And we'll see. Um, you know, I'm, I'm there Thursday morning. I'm giving uh, two talks on Thursday, and one is about parking. I just I actually realized this weekend. You know, we put these <laughs> we put these agreements together on what I'm going to talk about. I'm like, oh yeah, I can talk about parking, but I've never done like a presentation just on parking. I've got like an hour and a half. Um, so I'm going to be like digging into that today a little bit extra, but yeah, it's, uh, it's about six hours from here and things look clear now, but it's supposed to rain here today in, in Brainerd. And, um, I've got, I'm, I've got here sitting in the office with me, Stella, the slugger from team lightning. We are 10 and yeah, we're 10 and 0 in our softball league. And this is their, this is their championship game tonight. And if we get rained out, it will go uh, Wednesday night. And so this is going to be the difference between me getting to Mason City at like 10 p.m. or, you know, 3 a.m. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Does that uh, mean if they win, they go to like state championships? Or no, something? this is the this is a local league for, you know, nine, eight, nine and 10 year olds. So okay. we're not um, we're serious. We have fun. I mean, they, they practice hard. We were out, you know, hitting the ball around this weekend. They they. They practice hard and they take it seriously, but but you know, from a competitive league standpoint, we're we're having fun. We're trying to teach, we're trying to teach these girls to really like the game and you know some basic skills so that they uh, they get better and have fun playing it. Hmm. Um. I wanted to ask you if you had a chance to read an essay that we posted on Friday called "Drive to Urbanism." Did you see that one? Yes, okay. I did. Um, so, so the premise 
is a writer who has written for Greater Greater Washington and a couple other um, urbanist type blogs. Uh, he sent me this essay and I thought it was worth publishing about these new urbanist developments that have kind of sprung up. He mentioned Celebration Florida as an example, um, uh-huh. a place called Old Town Columbus in Georgia or near Columbus, Georgia. Um, and he, he was kind of making the point that there are these new urbanist settlements where you can walk around and there's shops and there's residences and it's all great, but there are no jobs around there. So you still have to have a car and you still have to drive many, many miles on a road to get to work every day. Um, and I was, this was kind of a contentious piece judging by the comments. What did you think, Chuck? Yeah, I, I actually cringed a, a tiny bit. Let, okay. let me give you, let me give you an analogy. And this is probably like an imperfect analogy and it, it may make some people angry even, but Mm-hmm. This is kind of where my mind went to. Um, I'm a huge fan of Thomas Jefferson. I think Thomas Jefferson is like the American da Vinci. He, he's a, a brilliant person. I mean, the Declaration of Independence, uh, you know, University of Virginia, um, the, the, the things that he did in his life are, are renaissance, you know, from an American standpoint, just an incredible person. But also a person who's like deeply, deeply flawed. Right. Mm -hmm. And particularly when we get to the issue of of slavery, um, you know, a a person who could write, uh, you know, all men are created equal um, yet, you know, not treat even the the men in his own household equal, let alone the, you know, the women and and what have you Mm -hmm. through a through a modern lens. He becomes in many ways an even more deeply flawed person. But I don't feel like you can judge a, a Thomas Jefferson and his contribution to the trajectory of America by, you know, taking a snapshot in 2016 and saying, okay, compared to enlightened thought today, this guy is an, you know, is a, is a racist, uh, you know, person who should be written out of all textbooks. I think you have to look at Thomas Jefferson in the context of his day and say, you know, this is a person who did, you know, right, that slavery was, you know, the, the scourge of their time and something that would need to be dealt with and that, you know, it, it, was, a, it was a national embarrassment and it needed to be, uh, you know, changed. No, he did not free his slaves when he died because he was in massive amounts of debt. But he had, uh, you know, essentially, I, I think his conscience in a way was uh, moving in the direction of liberty, even if his deeds and, uh, and and all of his words, you know, would not fit a modern context. Mm-hmm. I, I think when you look at new urbanism of the, you know, late 80s, early 90s, and, you know, cel- the celebrations of the world, this kind of thing, uh, you, you, you cannot accurately critique it in the context of 2016 without putting it in, uh, you know, the framework of its day. This stuff was radical and it was vastly different. And this was a time when, you know, very, there was very little urban development going on. Everything was suburban. Every ordinance was suburban. Every city was developing in a, in a suburban way. This was the default for, you know, for everything. And these guys came in and were doing something like radically different in the context and framework of its day. Mm-hmm. I, I think that you know, to sit back like that article did and kind of cherry pick 
um, you know, these developments and say, well, you know, the, the, this is, yes, it's easy to say, and, and I agree that these are drive to urbanism places and we shouldn't hold them up today as being like the, the thing we're trying to get to. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think we have to acknowledge that they they were a step along the way. They were a transition along the way. And even though they fell short of, you know, what, what we were after, uh, there's a lot we can learn from them, and it's really important that we do. I think that someday people are going to look at the Strong Towns movement and say, this, you know, you guys didn't go far enough. You guys, <laughs> you know, you, you guys danced around some of the issues. Uh, you didn't really, um, you know, fully attack, you know, this or that aspect. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like we're, you know, radically pushing the status quo in in, in, in many, many ways. Yet, hopefully, our ideas will become so orthodox and so mainstream that, like, the next rendition of ideas uh, will appear simple. Well, you know, good... or, 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 we'll, we'll make our ideas look simple. So, I, I, to me, that was my reaction to that piece. And mm-hmm. well, there's I don't a reason think it I published not... it on Friday because I yeah. thought that people might get up in arms about it. So, I don't think it was unworthy of publishing, but I do think it was rather. Um, I think it was an oversimplification, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, it reminded me and I'm, you know, I'm 43. I'm clearly not a millennial. Uh, it reminded me of the, the, the kind of, uh, clickbait stories you see about, you know, college campus safe zones and all this stuff. I, I, I kind of sense that some of that is like, you know, over exaggerated for, cons- you know, the clickbait, um, <laughs> era, mm-hmm. But I also think there's some truth to it that, you know, we just we have, uh, you know, the, the whole the whole controversy about Woodrow Wilson last year and whether his name should be included in anything. Yeah, I mean, you, you have to look at it in the context of the day and mm-hmm. uh, and, and understand the trajectory of things. And yes, it's very fair to say, you know, Woodrow Wilson did a lot of harmful things uh, that, that segregated us in very, um, destructive ways that continue with us today. He also is the, you know, father of the American progressive movement that ultimately undid a lot of that. So, you know, we have to live with the the history we have, and I think we're better off trying to understand it rather than just, um, you know, bash it and, and discount it. Yeah, well, it seems like the logical next step for these types of places is just attract employment that's close to those places, and then you solve the problem of needing to drive every day to go to work. Um, yeah, but some of the future of some of these places might be to die the way that a lot of our suburbs are going to die out. You know, it. it th- this is, um, you know, this is a point I make whenever I show some of the Lafayette stuff. You know, because they have this development called River Ranch, which is a, a new urbanist development. It is close to the core downtown, but but it's really not. I mean, it's it's got its own little commercial area, and it's very much a driving type of development, just because of geographically where it's located. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's killing it financially today, and I, I point that out. But the problem is, you know, it is all built all at once um, to a finished state. The, the way modern suburban development is, it's not built. Incrementally, it's not built on a continuum of improvement. Mm-hmm. So at, at some point in the future, Developers. yeah, at, at some point in the future, all the sidewalks are going to fail at the same time. You know, all the roofs are going to fail at the same time. We'll, 
will there be enough wealth and investment and reinvestment in these places uh, to where they will, um, you know, be able to renew themselves? And right now, I think the answer to that is no. They're very much like every other suburb. Fun fact for our listeners, Chuck has mentioned before that he once wanted to move to Celebration, Florida. Is that still a dream that you hold, Chuck? Oh, yeah. No, I I, I would tomorrow. Like when you retire or something? Actually, um, you know, uh, it, it's... it. As my as my wife and I were talking about the, the the decision that led to this move, which is been a lot of work in our lives, but I realized like looking out, I mean, we moved twelve miles, so mm-hmm. <laughs> you know we didn't the the kids don't have a different school, the you know we don't have different jobs. It's not as traumatic as a lot of people's moves. Mm-hmm. I, I was really pushing for you know celebration or something. You know, I, I was pushing for Gettysburg actually. Oh, okay. um, both of those places would be places that ideally someday, you know, maybe when the kids move on and aren't attached to, to this town and, and are, you know, off pursuing their dreams, uh, that, uh, that, that would be something that, that we would do. But my wife is a very, very much not a fan of Florida. Okay. Um, yeah. And, you know, we're also winter people. So I would, there's a part of me that like I, I would I would feel bad not being here in January, February, and <laughs> I would probably feel miserable being there in July and August. So, have you been doing any good reading or listening to cool podcasts lately? Um, there were two podcasts last week that blew my mind that I, I listened to uh, one twice and one three times. Wow. Okay. The, yeah. There's one. There's the the McIlvaney, um weekly commentary, which I. I I referred to last spring with the Tomas Sedlicek stuff. That's where I found him. Mm-hmm. And they had someone on there who did um, the Keynesian economic argument in the most honest way I've ever heard it. And okay. he was an advocate of it. And I actually want to write about this this week because I thought it was so profound. Um, they also had the finance minister of Greece on a, a different podcast called Open Source with uh, Christopher Lydon. And... Uh, that is a, a a very different take on things, but it, it was um, it was it was a really uh, great history of part of it had a really great history of the Marshall Plan and post World War II economics from a you know I mean this, these guys are essentially you know commun- they're communists not in the like Stalin sense but in the uh, in the true, um, you know, Marxist sense, mm-hmm. it's fascinating to hear that uh, because there was very little of it I disagreed with. It was the analysis was was very right on, um, and it was fascinating to hear because you know we we had a lot of things to say about this is a Greek former Greek finance minister had a lot of things to say about America and American politics today too. Before we close, I just wanted to let our podcast listeners know if you don't read our website regularly, um, you might want to check it out. This week, I'm looking forward to sharing a couple of cool stories from some of our members that are out doing good things, making their towns stronger. Um, And also, last week, we published one of those about a member who's running for Los Angeles City Council, which that was a really inspiring story as well. Joseph Joseph is incredible. 
I mean, yeah. he's such Have a cool guy. Have you met him at any events oh, yeah. or anything? Okay, cool. Yeah. And the, the thing about Joseph, too, is he's been with us from the start. I mean, he, this is a guy who back in, you know, 2009, 2010 was, was part of what we were doing. Yeah. He's, he's been with us a long time and actually I've, I've learned a lot from him and I, I, I've, he's one of those guys that has made me pause a number of times and say, okay, let me, let me think this through. So yeah, I'm, he's a leader. I'm excited for him. And I, I, you know, Obviously, we're we're non-political and we're, we're not, not you know. <laughs> we wish him the best. <laughs> I love him. I, I hope he does well. Yeah. Plus, uh, he has posted a lot of adorable pictures of him biking with his daughter and his little dog in yeah. their bike carrier. So yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Well, have a great week, everyone, and we'll have a, another podcast for you on Thursday. Thanks, everybody. We need your help. If you think the Strong Town's message is important, don't keep it to yourself. Pass it on. You can get more information and sign up to be a member of Strong Towns at strongtowns.org.